Welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bav. And me, Fluff. And today on the show, we're going to be discussing the first two series of the, uh, is it Apple TV? It is, yeah. yeah. Apple TV series, Mythic Quest, Raven's Banquet, uh, which is from, uh, well, yeah, I think it's safe to say it's from the people who brought you Always Sunny. Yeah, uh, so Rob McElhenney. Charlie Day and Megan Gans. Uh, Megan Gans obviously came along later in production, as far as I was aware, for Always Sunny. But yeah, obviously the main driving force of Always Sunny is certainly prevalent. Yeah. Um, but first, let me turn to some words. Uh, and they are inspired by Mythic Quest, actually. This song made me piss myself when it turned up in one of the episodes. I'd like to turn to the words of a band called the Pterodactyls. <laughs> Terror as in fear, terror. Mm, yeah. Shoot me in the face, and I'll shoot you in the face. We can see which one of us can shoot the other in the most accurate place. Stab me in the chest, I'll stab you in the chest. We'll see which one of us can stab the other in the chest the very best. If you want to die, give me a call. We'll have each other bleeding in no time at all. Our summer's ending now, it's time. We fall. Yeah, very, uh, very appropriate for a gaming-themed uh, discussion. I just sense that song is hilarious because it's a proper little shoot me in the face and I'll shoot you in the face and we'll see which one of us can shoot the other in the most accurate place. See, instead of quoting, really you should happy... be sing- you should be singing these. Yeah, you've set a precedent now. You're going to have to sing them in future. No, I don't want to sing them all. Well, then this one's really funny because it is a really happy, bouncy song, but then the lyrics are so ridiculously harsh and nasty. <laughs> it just <laughs> made me laugh. But yes, there we go. Now, admin, if you would like to join the conversation, you can go to facebook.com forward slash the screenmasters and like the page there, get involved. You can send us a message, you can comment on the posts, whatever you want to do. You can also find us at twitter.com forward slash the SM underscore pod, or you can at us at the SM underscore pod. And as always, if you want to go back and see any of the delightful YouTube stuff we did, you can go to bit.ly forward slash biteback.yt. And remember, the com- ah, the bite is spelt as a computer bite, not a food bite. Blimey. Yeah, it's not like you've done this. I don't think few, I've ever messed that up before. A few times, you know, before. A couple of times, mate. We're pros. We're pros. Mm. So, there we go. I've done all the nonsense. So, it's over to you. What do you want to bring to this forum? Uh, so, yeah, just a couple of things. The usual, uh, what we've been watching kind of stuff. So, uh, I've not been watching much that we can discuss about yet, because I know that you've not yet watched said discussioned things. Uh, so, I'll just mention that I have watched a few on the anime side again uh so i've just mm-hmm. gone down the anime uh an animation route so yeah i picked up the fi- uh latest season of final space uh a little little quirky animated show on netflix which yeah i've heard of final space yeah it's it it is uh, it is a bit quirky it took me a little while i think in the first season to pick up 
the kind of humor from it um but now i'm really enjoying it and the characters are really good that it's it's actually taken them on quite a dark trajectory um which is always kind of good it isn't uh you know it isn't a kids an- uh, animated show it is very much for an adult audience um but it's good so many good voice actors in there as well uh david tennant is the main well one of the main villains in it as well which is always good to get a bit of tenant yeah best doctor who out there even tenant's good as well uh yeah um i also finished seven deadly sins which i think i mentioned previously but Mm -hmm. yeah so finally managed to crack through the whole of that which was a it it was one of those shows where i think i'd said before i got to a point and then the it, it, it finished and i was like oh really that that's it uh, this picked up straight away, so we didn't realise, me and our, our good friend Baggy, neither of us had realised that this was even coming, and it suddenly dropped on Netflix one day, so there you go. Uh, that was really good. Uh, again, it, it it's a good anime because it does get... My God, it, it's one of those ones that really pulls on the heartstrings at times, like really tries to go for the uh, emotional, uh, you know, punch. And but yeah, really good. And then there was a, a separate standalone movie again. So it, it's nice. It, it, that franchise clearly is continuing. It's done very well, and I'm quite enjoying it. But from all that I've read and from all that I know, it's now past a point where the manga is. But I don't know whether there are light novels which have yet to be turned into manga, which you know. It's sometimes how that goes. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I think it's, yeah, it's one of those good franchises and it's been doing hella numbers on Netflix by all accounts. Uh, and the one that I'm in the middle of at the moment, won't say too much, is Demon Slayer, which is just, you know, I've heard so much about, but I never, never managed to sink my my teeth into. Uh, no, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it was good. It, I'm about 10 episodes in. Again, it was one of those ones where it felt, un- unlike, say, uh, Sword Art, which the, the first episode of that, boom, that, 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 that hook really had me because I was like, okay, yeah. I, I really like the hook of that. Again, similar when I watched Log Horizon, the hook really got me. The hook didn't get me on this one. It did take a couple of episodes to reveal a little bit more of the character because you you see too many of these little whiny bitch guys no i'm really tough and then gets beaten up no i will not stay down and you're like "Mm, come on uh you know it's it's very much the same but there is there is a bit of a difference to this one so again i'll come back to that at some point i'm sure um Mm. but yeah you need to use a different bait to hook you in well you know well that's the thing i mean look there, there are similarities between Sword Art and Log Horizon, that immersion in that video game kind of world. Um, it, it, again, the the bit that loses it for me sometimes with Sword Art later on is where they go away from the gamey element. It's all yeah. very much the real world implications. Uh, Log Log Horizon does that, but it still acknowledges that it's in a game environment and uses that to its advantage. I, I felt at times, but yeah. So uh, I don't know whether I had mentioned that I had watched. Log Horizon season three, but if I uh, if I hadn't, uh, I'll give it a shameless plug again now because it was great. It was it was just great. Um, but yeah, I can't mention too much on the other stuff because uh, I know you've not watched it yet. But I've now got two weeks off to enjoy a lot of of lot of stuff. I know new season of Narcos Mexico is coming up. I think next week uh, Eternals is is on the horizon. There's there's a good bunch of stuff for me to watch. So stay yes. tuned. 
Yeah, we'll have to sort out going to watch Eternals. Um, hey, yourself? Uh, so, just a, a few films that I've watched, really. Um, the uh, DC animated Injustice. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. You've watched it, so we can talk about that yeah, one. I wasn't sure whether that. you had. Okay. I have watched that. I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I've always loved the Injustice story. Yeah. And to see mm. it done as the movie, I loved. I didn't. Uh, the only thing I didn't get on board with is some of the voices, but you know. Yeah, I I I kind of didn't love it. Oh, yeah. ah, fair enough. I I loved it because it was just so. Uh, it was like watching um. Oh, uh, like when the Ultimate Universe was at its craziest. You know, yeah, anyone yeah. can die at any time. There's, you never know if anyone's safe. Yeah, I think I, I liked that aspect of it because I genuinely didn't know what was going to happen next. And yeah. you know, with a lot of superhero stuff, well, you know, he's not going to die, and that superhero is not mm-hmm. going to die, and blah blah blah. Whereas this one has a bit more jeopardy in it because of the nature of it being a, a an Elseworlds story, for want of a better word. Yeah, I I think my gripes are that it changed good chunks of the story, which it, it, it they have done, as we've said about. That's fair it, enough. It, I will admit, want. I don't know. You know, I know the setup for Injustice. Uh, I see, I've I've read the whole of Injustice. I've never read the comics. Yeah, I've played the video game a little bit. That's yes. where I first so, became um, aware of the Injustice story. It does take a few liberties with the story, and it, uh, justly so, because we've you know while we've criticized say their version of hush which rightly so because it was just you know the the, the graphic novel is fantastic the the yeah, why would you change that? Uh, you know it, it, why would you change that at times <laughs> i felt it was the same with this you've ruined some of the real good side uh and then the ending really just felt out of place for me it, it didn't feel like an injustice film and uh, no the ending i did feel was a little bit saccharin a little yeah. bit happily ever after and i was exactly. a bit surprised because i was like yeah. oh i didn't think it ended happily i thought it was all still chaotic and crap was going on but the the problem for me is that they've just gone okay we're going to release this film there we go they didn't think you know what we could actually do a few of these yeah and they genuinely could there is enough material within that injustice universe for them to actually go dig deep uh, go and dig deep into the huge dark side of superman which nobody really wants to cover they they, they just kind of want to push that under the rug they want to go yeah he was bad he's good now i want to see that well we, we what we what do we say about the boys and homelander in the boys he is that personification of superman turned bad to the extreme yeah, yeah what if superman uh, didn't have a good moral compass exactly and injustice is that story and they just ruin the opportunity that they had that's just my opinion no that's that's fair enough like i say the ending did hit hit weirdly with me you know i i did think it was odd that it ended in such a happy way but uh yeah without knowing the you know without having read the source material on this one i i would defer to you because yes i don't it, yeah that if that's not the way it was then fair enough yeah i mean dc have been mining that uh particular story universe for a good while because they did injustice and they've done injustice year one which kind of builds up to the events which lead to the whole injustice situation 
the Joker actually does some weird stuff just before this. So it all kind of they've they've kind of gone full into it. But again, that's DC just you know churning out as many comic books for an idea which is popular. Uh, you know, look at look at how many Batman books they release on a monthly basis. My goodness. Yeah, and it'll double when the film comes out as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. I went with my children to see Ron's Gone Wrong at the cinema. Okay, you'll have to tell me. I have no idea what Ron's Gone Wrong is. Uh, Ron's Gone Wrong. Kids film about uh, a robot called a Bebop. Now, imagine if Facebook was on a little robot that was shaped a bit like Eve from Wall-E. Mm-hmm. That little sort of overly shaped type thing. Um, so Facebook is essentially running on one of these robots and these robots are your, are your social interaction tools. So the robots talk to each other because every kid has one Mm -hmm. and exchange, you know, if they find a match with someone on something they're interested in, they'll friend them for you so that you don't have to go and make friends the robots do it for you and bring people with with interests similar to yours to you. It's mm. a nice idea, and it's the the person who comes up with it is a very is a young lad with lots of big ideas and wants to help. You know, he was socially awkward as a child, so he wants to help other children who are the same as him to make friends. He wants everyone to have friends, so there's a, a really sweet idea behind it. But in behind the scenes at Bebop, the company. Mm. Uh, which again you can look at like a Facebook Leviathan, although we can't call them that anymore, can we? Or we shouldn't, but that'll take some getting used to. Um, what Leviathans? I know. No, I Facebook. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. What is I mean, it? imagine Metal that now? one of the biggest companies on the planet gets such a bad reputation that they're actually going to spend the billions it will cost to rebrand. Is it Meta? They're changing Meta the is what yeah. they're going to go for. Can you yeah. imagine anyone of our generation ever calling Facebook Meta? No, because that's because unfortunately matter. they've embedded themselves so deep in popular culture yeah. that it just isn't going to happen. But that's fair it. enough, it, it's it's not that that you know, it is meta. Like what they're doing is 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 actually a joke upon itself. Yeah, and exactly. that's the, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, that's behind the scenes at this company, the man who runs the company because you've got mm. this idealistic young lad with the the lovely ideas. Yeah, you got and the then, kid with course, the vision, and then corporate bastard. There's exactly there's the money man who sure. just wants to monetize these children and is fully aware that he can snoop on any child anywhere on the planet if he wishes to okay, use them as just... surveillance cameras okay, all that sort of stuff. No, that's, that's, yes. uh, so the idea is we meet this young lad. His family can't afford a bebop for him because he's his mum's uh, passed away and he lives with his dad and his nan. His nan's quite a funny... Uh, she's... I, they're Eastern European. Their surname's Lebowski, so but not spelt the same. Um, so uh, she's quite funny and does some. Uh, she, she's got some quite amusing moments in it. Uh, and they they end up getting him a ro- one of these bots, but it's fallen off the back of a truck, so it's damaged, so it doesn't work properly. Okay, when you say falling off the back of the truck, do you mean in the literal and figurative I mean sense? in a literal sense, actually. Okay. Yes. <laughs> when he falls out of the back of a truck and gets damaged, then gets put back on the truck and driven somewhere else, and then he's like, oh, it's broken, what do I do with it? So anyway, they, they end up buying this dodgy one off the driver because he doesn't want to admit he's broken one. And they take it home, but it can't connect to the B-Bot network. 
so it can't get its updates and stuff, which leads to some really funny things um, where it's trying to explain things or it's it's um, like he's trying to it should learn his name, the boy's name. But it can't because it's only got the first part of its database downloaded. So it's only got names that begin with A available to it. Um, yeah, I'm sorted then. So it starts giving him names and he goes Absalom, uh, a name because he, the robot says Absalom. And he's like, Absalom, thinking, wow, that's a weird name. And the robot decides to call him Absalom, thinks that's his name. It, anyway, it goes on and it's funny. And because of the... Because of the fact it can't connect to the network, it doesn't have all its programming on how it's supposed to act and behave and uh, what it's supposed to do to help this child. So the child has to teach it how to be a good friend. Um, And so, the yeah, the story goes on and he's got this little robot that's his best mate. And there's a little bit of short circuit in there, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, There's definitely a big helping of Baymax in Ron himself if you were to see him you'd think he was a mini Baymax and if you were to hear him you'd think he was Baymax Okay. I don't, Zach Galifianakis does the voice of the robot and I no idea how they've done it but it didn't sound anything like Zach Galifianakis it sounded like Baymax um, which I think they're kind of half going for um, yeah it's not bad as a, as a family film I think it's good the the adult humour in there is not like what's in there for the adults is not like most modern films where they pitch things to adults and children. You know that you get the situation where it's like, oh, there's an adult joke that will go over the kids' heads for the adults. Here's a poop joke for the kids to laugh at. Mm-hmm. This is much more nuanced, and the the humour in it just plays to both types. It works for both categories of people. And there are revelations and things that develop as it goes through that the adults will understand on a different level to the children. Um, So it's got some lovely heartfelt moments, but it didn't really dwell on them long enough for them to be, for them to hit, if that makes any sense. There's a moment where the dad is, is upset that he can't, he feels like he's not looking after his child and like the child is having to look after him. And his mum says, you know, but sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes the children do look after us because we need them to for that minute or two. And then we can, you know, do our jobs again and we can look after them. But it it doesn't really settle on that and allow that to breathe as a heartfelt moment. It, It quickly undercuts it with humor. And it, and I just felt that was a shame. I think there's some heartfelt moments in there. They should have just been allowed to breathe a little bit more. Um, by the end of it, it, it's it's not Pixar or Disney. It's kind of a Pixar light, I feel, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but just means it's not at that level. Um, but Ron is cute as hell, and as soon as I came out of the cinema, I bought my son one for Christmas. <laughs> so he will, he will so, want that bad boy. So, so basically, you you did exactly what they expected you oh, to do. You went in and went, oh shit, yeah. gonna love yeah. that thing. Okay, I'll it's buy cute it. as piss. Okay. I want it in my house. <laughs> so yeah, that was Ron's gone wrong. If you're a, a family person, you haven't been to see it. I would say go and see it. Your kids will love it. You'll get plenty out of it as well. But yeah, don't just don't expect something of the. You know, the high bar of Pixar or Disney when they're at their best. 
I would say. So, I mean, it, it sounds like it's trying to unpack a lot. Uh, in it is, of, it is. And some of that is the problem, you know. Because uh, it's nice and short as well. It's not like a two-hour kids film. It's like an yeah. hour and a half. So yeah, yeah that's yeah that's it sounds like a lot to unpack and like you say uh maybe if they'd have taken one or two I haven't seen it so I can't say uh if they'd have taken one or two things as opposed to trying to encompass a lot uh, maybe it would have yeah yeah cuz you know the opening setup takes a little bit of explaining hmm. and and what the world is like at that moment um and then the last one, I uh, got back on some horror to uh, to see what's going on in the world of horror these days. I've got Candyman to watch. I haven't watched that yet because I used to love the 80s Candyman, so I'm well looking forward to a good postmodern remake. Uh, but I watched uh, the sequel to the, ooh, is it 2018 Halloween? Uh, called Halloween Kills, um, which is... Still by uh, it's I think it's Danny McBride and what's his name David Gordon Green. Let me uh, just check that. I thought you might know because they normally knock about together, don't they? I know McBride, McBride, but no, I mean I'm you know I'm I'm not the horror man. No, no, but Danny McBride and this other bloke they've done some other stuff together, so I didn't know whether you'd know his name. I'm afraid I don't. Off. off. I think it's David Gordon Green, but I want to get it right. So let me just check. Yeah, David Gordon Green. That's fine. So yeah, it's written by uh, Danny McBride, David Gordon Green, and then directed by David Gordon Green. Oh, and Scott Teams as well, whoever he is. But so I liked the first one that they did, the first sort of remake of Halloween. Obviously. It's Halloween, so it never fucking ends. And this one has a bit of an issue in that it it follows on directly, like a minute after the first film finished, this one picks up. So you're proper in like a series. Um, And what you get, what that ends up giving you is like an hour and a little bit of just a bog standard Halloween movie, as far as I see it. Although it continues from the moment the last one ended. So a lot of the early bit is fallout from the first film and essentially getting everyone who's going to survive, who was in jeopardy at the end of the first film, into a hospital. So that they're not so that they are going to survive, you know? Because we left them on the street or in the middle of a burning building or on the way to a hospital at the end of the first film. So we have to finish that all off. So it takes like twenty minutes to get everyone where they need to be before we can actually push the story forwards. Now, the last 30 minutes does actually get a little bit interesting because it raises some some interesting questions about who the real monsters are in this town. So it's in the same town of Haddonfield where Halloween's always been based and took place. And the residents, it's got, because this one ignores every other film that was ever made about Halloween other than the original 1978 John Carpenter film. It has a lot of the original actors and actresses from like who were kids in that film and are now grown adults. So we see the grown adults living in Haddonfield still dealing with Michael Myers and essentially the whole town rallies around and you get this huge sort of mob chasing around Michael Myers. 
there's in the first film where Michael Myers escaped from the prison truck, there was a second guy who was in the truck who also escaped. And there's this big sequence where the mob are hunting down who they think Michael is Michael, but actually turns out to be this other guy from the prison truck who isn't Michael. And there's this big mob sequence where they're all trying to get at him and kill him. And people are saying, no, that's not the right person, but they just don't care because they're just obeying mob at that point. Uh, and that that kind of is is an interesting idea that they bring into it. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, the monster is still absolutely Michael Myers in my book, but, you know, I, I get what they're saying, and it, it does add something interesting. I wondered also with the timing, maybe it's uh, making a, maybe they're making a comment towards the uh, Capitol Hill riots that probably would have taken place around the time this film was being made. So maybe there's a, a you know, a bit of a political commentary on that side of it as well. In essence, it was okay. I don't think it's anything amazing. Like I said, I do think the last half an hour is interesting and there's a good, interesting, crunchy, nasty sequence when Michael Myers finally gets cornered by the mob and the mob start trying to kill him. And it's funny because it goes well for about two minutes while someone's doing a voiceover about how people are strong and they can win and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, Michael just gets up and murders the whole fucking lot of them in various gruesome ways. Um, it finishes again on a massive cliffhanger, so we'll have to see what the third part brings. Uh, it's called Halloween Ends, apparently, and will be out this time next year. So I'm hoping it'll be more interesting. But because I, I, I like Danny McBride and I like David Gordon Green, I think they've tried to do something different with Halloween. This one I don't think worked as well, but I'm I'm hopeful for the next one because I quite like Michael Myers. He is quite a scary character if you portray him right, and in this he is portrayed as an unstoppable motherfucker who is just going to kill you. It's just a case of how. Yeah, the I mean the you know I've never never been onto the 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 horror side of things but the the story of michael myers has always been an interesting one um whatever way they've redone the films and whatnot uh like you say bringing in that mentality of mob mentality which as you say very much prevalent in this day and age it it makes an interesting dynamic for it I just fear that at times with with these series they're just going to it's it's again finding the way oh they're constantly brought back to life and that that's that's the thing with me but I've Yeah no you're absolutely right you know, at the end of the first film we left him burning alive in a building and everyone was convinced mm-hmm. he was dead yeah because they they locked him in a basement with metal bars around him so that he couldn't escape mm. and somehow he walks out of the burning building yeah, murders all the firemen and and fucks off. It that's the thing. It's shredding that line between uh, trying to be realistic with all of its violence, and uh, everybody else gets killed and is maimed and dead. But then they have the ridiculous side of the horror where the villain always survives. Yes, uh, and I suppose that's the thing. It's always treading that fine line, and it's yeah. So yeah, that's 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 all from me. No, so we shall. So I'll pass it over to you. Yeah. We can TV time. TV time, through. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, yeah, Mythic Quest. Uh, for those who do have a 
Apple iPhone, who I don't know how much of the audience possibly might have an Apple iPhone. How many people would you say on average now would have a How many people have an iPhone? Yeah. Um, Do you say it's more than 50% or... It might be. I don't know. Uh, Hang on. I'm actually interested, so I'm going to look it up. There we go. Fresh news. See what it comes out. So, as of 2019, 45%. 45%. In the US use an iPhone. Okay. I'll say, yeah, 50%. I'll go with 50%. So 50% of you might already have an iPhone that has free Apple TV on it, because I know I did when I bought mine. If you are one of those people, then you have the luxury of being able to watch Mythic Quest on Apple TV. Uh, Mythic Quest, sorry, Raven's Banquet for the first season, uh, and then it just kind of became Mythic Quest uh, as of the second season. So yeah, a series that was developed by Charlie Day, Megan Gans, and Rob McKellar-Henney. The setting for this is a game studio that produced a MMORPG, uh, which is a massive multi-online role-playing game. That was right, wasn't it? Uh, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, think, which think is World of Warcraft, if anyone knows what that is. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I'm sure most people... Also, would. just before you carry on, I've just found global uh, oh, statistics. Global. The global market is very different. Oh. So iOS only accounts for 26% of the global operating system market share. So, so maybe only... Android accounts for 72. Anyway, Apple TV. Um, find yeah, it you can get it through yeah. buying Apple TVs yeah, yeah. or whatever anyway, can't you? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's about a studio that's produced this m- huge role-playing game and their expansion, Raven's Banquet, is what the beginning of the first series is leading into and its release and, and all the changes that come with it. It really does give uh, an inside view as to the gaming industry um having read some interviews with the cast and the creators they did get insider uh side uh, you know it, for the the gaming side of it ubisoft is the yeah ubisoft that they... made a lot of stuff although i did notice yeah. some of it is uh towards the second season there's there's a few cutscenes of uh assassin's creed valhalla Yes, I'm yeah, absolutely there's... convinced of because the first series I was like, oh wow, they've made all this stuff, and then actually by the second season I was like, actually it's probably just Ubisoft games. I don't know, yeah, that they've just ripped bits from that. That's look... it, and they've just gone. But okay, by the way, it worked the, really yeah. nicely. I like the way they use the transitions in game when they want to pass time. They'll cut to an in-game view of the sun, you know, the the sunset in the moon rising and the sun rising again to illustrate the passage of time um so interspersed between these weird at times uh gameplays because it, it does show the weird side of gaming it doesn't necessarily go with all of the usual things that you would see uh, like the one of the first things they talk about is the shovel and the fact that especially in in games like world of warcraft you can't alter the terrain uh and that becomes a, a point where they're just saying well yeah if you give them a shovel they'll they'll turn it into a dick yeah they'll dig a dick they'll, they'll dig a dick and uh, again having read a, an interview with the creators they said yeah that was one of the things that talking to game insiders they they kind of went yeah we have a 
that the, I can't remember the acronym. They actually have an acronym uh, for its uh, time to penis. That was it. I think it was TTP. Time to penis. Oh, uh, so yes. When they released the, the show, game. How yeah, long they, will it take for them to use this item to create a penis? Um, so, again, just knowing the nuances of the gaming industry, it, it, it is funny because they really have taken a lot of those ideas, like Montreal, which is uh, a very big gaming place. Like Silicon Valley is obviously Silicon Valley for yeah. the industry. Montreal is in Canada Montreal... and Austin is in America generally. Yeah. Um, so all all, the, all of those little references, I'm glad that they've taken the time to get the real insiders and the real experts on that. I know that um, Rob had previously been down to direct... Uh, version of Minecraft and then sadly dropped out. Don't know what to what degree, but the fact that you put yourself up to go, yeah, I'll direct Minecraft. What? Like mm-hmm. you you know, known for Always Sunny in Philadelphia and going for one of the biggest games out there, especially, you know, for a kid art market, was was interesting. But knowing that he did that was like, okay, if he's going to do a series on the gaming industry, he's he's probably picked a few tips up. Um, and I mean, let's face it, the gaming industry now, especially with the way that cinema has been, the gaming industry is is the biggest entertainment industry at the moment in terms yeah. of monetary reward. Obviously, there's a lot of independent studios and a lot of shitty games out there, which, again, this kind of fills in some of that idea of, oh, OK, yeah, we're, we're pushing a release out, even if it's buggy and glitchy. And yeah, we'll just put the game out anyway. Why? Because well, we need to make more money because that's what the the big guys up in Montreal want. And so, yeah, it's it's an interesting view to the gaming industry. Um, but it is made up with some of the great, great characters that, that these guys always write. Um, obviously, we've both fallen in love pretty much with with charlotte nicardo's poppy lee i think yeah, we've, we've both agreed with just that incredible. yeah, yeah. Um, a, a wonderfully uh wonderfully talented person because she one moment i i you you just look at her eyes she's got these big doughy eyes and you're just like ah oh, I, I i could cry and then she could just come out with the most vulgar shit and you're just like brilliant um yeah oh there's there's quite a few points through this where I've just like we did with it, always sunny, where it's like Charlieism. I've yeah. just got some some poppy lines that just absolutely made me crack up. Um, so yeah, we'll just buzz through the 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 cast. You know, I'd say if you want to know, uh, so my notes are arranged. I have notes per episode for each season, sure, and then sort of summation, like so. A uh, 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 what did I think overall of season one type thing. Okay, all right. So what, what, I think season two overall type thing. Okay, well, well, we'll just quickly buzz through who who the the cast is yep, sure. in terms of some of the characters, so that we know who we're talking about. Uh, and then we'll just hit it through the seasons, kind of like we did with Sunny. So if you've uh, yeah. if you've listened to our Sunny episodes, we'll, we'll take it in that way. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, Rob McElhenney, uh as Ian. No, sorry, Ian Grimm. Ian. Y- yeah, it's uh, it's not Ian. It's Ian. Spelled the same, but pronounced different. Um, as the creative director of Mythic Quest, you've got, as we said, uh, Charlotte Nicardo as Poppy Lee. Um, we've got just the, the great, fantastic F. Murray Abraham uh, as CW. Um, God Almighty! Just, CW. just a writer with who steals every scene that he is in. But again, as we see as we go through, like 
his character has such an amazing arc oh, yes. for someone who could have been a a one note you know he could have been the butt of every joke because obviously he's older so he he says things that he shouldn't say so you could have just had him be the butt of every joke but they don't they 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 make you sympathize with him as we'll mm. see as we go through it's it's really really well done um we've got Danny Pudi who I was just really glad that, you know, when I'd seen him in Community, he is so different to the character that he played in Community. It's just brilliant that I'm like, sometimes you, you watch certain actors and you're like, how much range do they have? Oh, I love Danny Pudi because he just shows that range at times. He, he yeah. really does. Uh, so he, he, his character is the head of, uh, I think it's monetization of, of the yeah. game. Basically, all those little microtransactions that piss you off about a mobile game or a game that you play on your uh, PlayStation or PC or Xbox or whatever it is, all those microtransactions, he's the guy that's rubbing his hands thinking, yeah, I've just, just got that money. Yeah. And that's what I love. Oh, he's so so good at. Uh, David Hornsby is uh, a staple from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And to be able to see him on a weekly basis doing a character is just fantastic because. Yeah, loved it. At times, he again, he, he will just come in and just steal the scene. And d- where you say about poppyisms, I'm sure there'll be Davidisms. There are um, Davidisms. And then we've got uh, Ashley Birch, who uh, plays Rachel, who is one of the testers. Uh, there's Imani Hakim, who was Dana, another one of the testers. Uh, oh, yeah. The other thing to actually note about Ashley Birch before we go is... She wrote some of them, didn't she? She is one, she actually is one of the writers in the writer's room. But she's actually, you may, re- may not realise, but has done voices for about 30 to 40 video games. So if oh, you've right. ever gone... I think I've heard her voice before. Yes, she has. She's done absolutely tons of video games. So again, she's one of those people that has the insider knowledge of that industry, which is again, knowing that she's in the writer's room doing some stuff. I'm like, it's really cool to have somebody who's done that. Know all this cut, you know, it's it's cool. God. Oh Christ. She's the voice of Aloy. Yeah. Oh wow. And she's, she's Sasha in attack on Titan. Oh my God. God, there you go. So yeah, it's always fun oh, when when you see. Yeah, yeah, she's in. Uh, she's uh, she's in Spinal Source as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, out of worlds. Yeah. Yeah, she's in a lot of stuff. So that's the thing. She's one of those people where you go. You, you sometimes I, I was like, I know your voice from somewhere. I checked and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, there you go. Uh, and then finally, we got to Jesse Ennis as Joe, who becomes. Uh, David's assistant and eventually becomes Brad's assistant. Um, yes. Again, just so yeah, that, that that character kind of leads us into the first episode, which is uh, David hiring Joe uh, to mm-hmm. be be his assistant. Um, and uh, basically, it just straight off the bat, we start a series where somebody's employed and is walking in with her boss, and then is then introduced to the actual boss yeah. of the whole thing and suddenly realizes this guy is a genius uh, and sides with him on everything. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it begins with them releasing their new expansion, um, which is, is again creating the in-game item, which is the shovel despite Iron's protest, because he, he again just believes that, well, they're just going to turn it into, into a dick. 
Um, yeah, the time to penis is very small. Yeah, very um, it, it introduces the... Oh, I, I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say the villain of season one, in, in, in a sense, but the guy that they're going to butt heads with, which is um, Pootie Shoe. Pootie uh, who... is... <laughs> right. My notes for this episode are shovel, so I could remember what the episode was about. It's good at setting the scene and a good hook. Pootie Shoe is fucking annoying. <laughs> which is i think the absolute intention oh uh, yeah absolutely you know for a fact that's the yeah. that's what they want yeah so pooty shoe is the He's the idea of who the plays worst video game streamer yeah he, that's it he just so he'd be like a sponsored streamer almost yeah. but for the game but they i don't think he's actually they don't actually yeah they don't actually sponsor anything, him are they no no because that becomes a little bit of an issue later yeah. on uh, in the series um again it just so it begins straight off the bat showing Iron's very uh, domineering personality. He is very much the alpha male. Uh, He's which an again alpha male is, narcissist, essentially. That's it. Which, again, you've seen Rob play shades of with Mac in Always yeah. Sunny, but never to this degree. Nope. Um, and and this again, is like as, it turned you know, up to 11. Yeah. It's like his Mac character when the Mac character first got uh, really trim. Yeah, really buff and hench. Yeah, just, uh, uh, yeah, because he's because uh, it does. This is, this is the comparison between Always Sunny that I will make is it does things that Always Sunny doesn't do. Yeah, and because I've watched Always Sunny, every time it does them, I'm like, eh, "You're not going to do that." Yep. And yep. then they do, and you go, "Oh, oh my god!" Yeah, it's. Uh, I, th- I think that's the thing. Even from episode one, you you can very much tell this is not Always Sunny. This yeah, is no, absolutely. This like say, it's got some of the genius. same sort of feeling because of the yeah. improv. Yeah. Because they're it's still improving. Like... And as it goes on, the the you know, it's funny that our friend who doesn't like Always Sunny because it's too shouty watched this because very often this scenes will end in arguments. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's kind of I, I, I that's the nature of the improv thing, I think, is is that you end up because it's a much more natural process of having a conversation if you're disagreeing about something you will naturally both end up raising your voice to each other and you'll end up in a small argument because you are disagreeing about something and it isn't a scripted disagreement therefore you're not reading the exact lines from the script you're you're doing it on the fly as you're in the heat of that argument this one uh, this uh... As a first episode as well, it doesn't co- it doesn't cover all the bases, which it shouldn't do because it just gives an introduction to that weird and wonderful gaming world, which again, not everybody is going to know about because people that people that might watch the show might have no interest in gaming. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because it is a medium which, if you don't spend hundreds of hours, which we both certainly have uh in certain games yeah. then you, you you're not going to understand some some of the in jokes of this but by no means does that uh, make it any less funny um moving through the uh through to the next episode we've got then um this one this one very much centers uh, as i say on the microtransaction side yeah. so again really looking at uh, yeah this is about brad, uh, yeah, really? is about brad. um looking at that side of of that industry which Again, it's 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 questionable, but if an if if a very rich person on the other side of the world wants to spend a million dollars, as Brad put it, on a skin for a character in a game, 
then let them. Um, and I get that understanding because if somebody is stupid enough to want to spend the money to buy that, then that's on them. It's just the sheer fact that they make it so very easy and they very much shove it down your throat. In the real world, obviously within this scope of the game, his whole thing is that he wants to put a, a casino, an actual casino into the game. Yeah, into like a, a medieval-themed game. Yeah, and that's it. It's a medieval-themed, you know, uh, swords and spears, uh, you know, wizardry and all that kind of stuff. And he wants to put a casino in there to make profit. And they then insult him. They just basically say, you're not important. Like, what you do is not important. And suddenly realize that, yeah, you know what? Without that side yeah, of some of these games... Leaves, doesn't he? he goes home. Yeah, he's like, okay, cool. I'll make it all free. You deal with it. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Because he make the masked man just give out loads of shit or something. Yeah, yeah. So there's just this weird character that's just dropping random stuff and he makes it all free and he's just like it's fine not bothered um so it becomes a problem because then the 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 bigger higher ups in montreal are not happy about the fact that everything's now free where's their profit mm-hmm. and that's the thing it, it is uh it is a crying shame for games but if they don't make a profit then you're not going to get the updates and things aren't going to go you know, in a forward direction, they're just going to be shit. And so I get that. Uh, it's it's treading that fine line, I feel. Uh, but yeah. this just makes that whole thing very noticeable for the, the casual viewer to, to kind of go, shit, okay, yeah, I understand it, but I didn't understand the implications of it. Um, yeah. And, uh, and there's, I, I like the the sort of subplot side of this story, one. Yeah. Um, Be, being, looking a bit more at the testers, the two testers, Rachel and Dana. Yeah. Because uh, they pull an all nighter trying to fi- test the casino, I think, isn't it? Because the casino yes. is to shit, so they're yeah. So that's the that's their that's their job to to test the game to find and out they, where the bugs are and report everything. And again, this is where we, we we you can tell I think from their first interactions in the first season there is a spark between them. Yeah, but that's, again, that's it just you know, but you never know because you're sort of seeing it from Rachel's side. Yes, for most. So you you yeah she because she doesn't know whether Dana's even gay you, you you know she doesn't know whether actually there is a spark there or whether she's imagining something. Um, but it was nice. I'm... It was just nice to take those two characters and go, hey, let's let's play with these guys a little bit, expand them a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, the uh, the idea of an actual game tester is probably something that everybody would love to do, but at the same time. Yeah, it sounds like it's actually a hard task as well because you're not having fun necessarily playing the game. You're actually trying to break it and stuff like that. So yeah, as fun as it sounds, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those double-edged swords, I think. Um, the other thing about this one is the interactions between Iron and CW when they're trying to create the White Knight um, for the for the whole Mask Man thing, and it's just the 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 fact that CW comes up with anything and Iron's just it will eat it all up because he, they, there is clearly an understanding and a bond between them uh, on that creative side. And again, it just begins to unravel that mystery of the pair of them, I suppose. What about uh, anything else from this episode that no. you spotted? Money, Brad is gone, casino, mask man, tester all nighter with ice cream sandwiches. Oh, the ice cream sandwiches, yeah. They eat all Poppy's ice cream sandwiches and then the episode ends with Poppy going looking for her ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, she's, she's not happy. Getting really annoyed. 
Yeah. But she's cute when she's angry. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite quotes is in the next episode. Uh, my yeah. My favorite poppy bits. So again, uh, uh, touching, touching a, a subject in the next one, which is again, sure for gaming, but this could really be for any kind of social media platform, which is they've found that their game is actually now a hangout uh, for Nazis. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that they want to outright ban them, but it's hard for them to say, well, that person is a Nazi, uh, that person's not, and trying to put them into boxes and go, okay, yes, they are and they aren't. So there's a whole weird, funny thing about it. And then this allows Poppy to try and introduce a new feature of the game. And this oh, is a oh, game. Yeah. You can't see, but I did the hands. Oh, okay. Dinner party. Dinner party surrounded by two hands so that I yeah. remember to do hands when so I say So just it. imagine two hands just up and then pushing it. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to influence the game, which, again, is, is something which you begin to see throughout that, yeah, Poppy's a coder and it's, you know, part of her life is the game, but she is not the you know the game is not hers it's it's irons it's you know something that she's been working on but it's very much his vision and the additions that she tries to add to it like dinner party is just yeah it's it's kind of not always the best thing uh and also just get shot down by iron as well and again that i think that's these are the early signs of the things which we'd later get yeah. to in the season and, and season two of the fact that they are very good with one another but separately not the best mm. um, um so yeah my poppy line from this one is when she does her advert for dinner party and there's a line in there where she says check your inbox for some hot dp action <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was when she, early on in that advert she starts calling it dp i was like oh my god i know where this is going yeah oh my god yeah um, yeah, that, that was great. It's uh, again just for them to be able to try and tackle the idea. Yeah, okay, in, in social media or uh, games, yeah, you're gonna get like haters and people that just want to spew mm. venom at one another. And they manage within the within the scope of using dinner party. And Iron gives a credit at the end that they were able to identify all the Nazis and basically put them in one server on their own where they don't all realize that they're all Nazis. So they're just constantly hate spewing at one another, but they're separate from everybody else. Exactly. Just thought, yeah. And I liked that. Their yeah. own little microcosm. Just to continue existing in. That's, I think, where you were saying like about Sonny, where Sonny will end on a dark note more often than not. Yeah, or this it'll flip one it. of those When ones. it's yeah. trying to be heartfelt, it will, yeah. act, like I said, in Ron's Got Wrong, I do to a much higher degree in Always Sunny. They'll undercut it just when you think Mac is going to, you know, just when you think Dennis is going to change and say something that's, you know, totally him moving forwards, they'll just decide, no, 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 no. And it, like Mac, you know, he's going to come out finally and say that he's gay. No, 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 no. We undercut it. We change it. It's, and that's uh... fine because that suits that group of characters. But it does mean that you're forever on the side going, well, okay, but I haven't got any real gut punch. You know, there's no real gut punch moments that connect me to these characters. It's fun, it's frothy, it's fairly throwaway. And to begin with, with this series, 
I thought, okay, yeah, so these are just going to be funny little episodes looking at different parts of the gaming industry, and it, they're just going to be throwaway after they're finished. You know, there's going to be no sort of serialized nature to the to the show. But obviously, that totally changes as we go forward. It does. Um, the gang in Sunny will always be the gang. Yeah, there is. There is a little bit of growth because to deny that would be silly because they they have grown over over the decade uh, or so that we've I've been watching it. Especially we get to the point with Mac now being gay um, and so many of the other changes that that have occurred that there are nuances there which which is good but they're always still going to be a despicable bunch of bastards yeah that's why we love them um these guys are th- this is not that show and each episode will speak to that like this one where we get the next one which is the the convention so pooty shoe pooty shoe um don't know if that's his say it just sounds like the right thing to do there yeah um <laughs> he announces he's no longer play mythic quest so they're panicking a little bit thinking like one of the biggest streamers out there no longer wants to play our game isn't this because joe know. sends a picture to him yeah i can't remember the oh yeah it, yeah on Ryan. yes not realizing later yeah yeah, the, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. She. I think she perhaps is not happy with him because he's been calling. Uh, she. Yeah. He's been calling the game out, and Joe doesn't like anything that you know questions Iron because Iron is God for Christ's sake. You know, he everything he does is great. So yeah, I think she's a bit pissed off about that. Probably. Um, it's been a while since I've watched the first season. Unfortunately, I didn't get around to. So yeah, they're at StreamerCon, and yeah, I, I just I, I I wrote I really hope this is the end of Pooty Shoe. Yeah, I like the other the other plot on this one was good because they they start trying to develop Dana as their streamer. Um, Rachel and CW play the game because he yeah. wants to demonstrate to her uh, the power of cutscenes, and she wants to demonstrate the power of gameplay. Yeah, and that's a really cool bit. Yeah, um, that's well, yeah. And he shows is it where the horse dies in Red Dead Two? Yes. 2? yes. That's one of the sequences he yeah. shows her, and they're crying. And uh, they're both crying. And again, as a gamer who has played that game and went through the entirety of Red Dead and spent a good number of hours, yeah, you know what? When that horse died, there was an emotional gut punch. I'd be lying if I said there wasn't. You know, it's so to see a show where a, a man of majesty like F. Murray Abraham will stand there and say how great this thing is with tears in his eyes. I'm like, man, like whether he, he uh, gets that in real life or not, like he's selling it like a champ. Like it, it was just great because it does. It, people always dismiss video games um, because they're not what they would play, but there is a heart and story to a lot of these games. They, well, there has to be a story. As CW is is the I, you know we'll get there, um, but that's the thing. Like if it's a good game, then it resonates with you. Final Fantasy VII, uh, for me, is just one of the best games of all time, the original, because the story was just so great. The emotional tie that you had to the characters was so great, and it's no different to watching a TV show or reading a book. It's just a different medium. Absolutely. Um, and that's what yeah. The other subplot of this is. Um, uh, that David is uh, trying to take a group of 
uh, I don't know whether like Girl Scouts or whatever. Um, oh, no, it's the Girls Who Code, isn't the it? The Girls Who Code, thank or you. Who Code or something. They're part of that group and he's trying to find women to show them. Yes. Around the studio because Poppy's not there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he tries to introduce him to any That's woman within the gaming industry. And again, I think this is very much a, a point on the industry. I mean, they, they yeah, absolutely. You know. What do they find? Michelle down in programming. Yeah. Who's miserable and just tells them shit. And then he's like, ah, I know where we can go. And they go down to see Sue, the community manager. Yeah. And by the end of that, she's like, don't. Don't take this. Job. No, yeah, she, she, oh. she's just brilliant because you're just like she comes in. Hiya, she's like uh, clearly. I think it's from Minnesota, like that I accent. Say, that Minnesota accent because it's neat yeah. to be onto yeah. that accent. Yeah, Dora yeah. Does Hello, how are you doing there? It's like a little bit, little bit Canadian. It's I think it's on that border. So it's hiya, yeah. how are you doing there? Uh, and yeah, she, she comes in all very sweet and innocent. It's just like, and it's just brilliant. Um, so yeah, a very telling sign of that. And then, yeah, you've just got Michelle who clearly has the brains just like, whatever. I, I've just yeah. been trodden on in this industry. Like, I don't give a fuck. And I suppose that that's a character who's just been trodden on so much. She just doesn't give a shit anymore. Um, so yeah, very telling. Oh dear. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. My only other note was I, by this point, I was like, oh, I, I really love the development we're, we're putting into the wider cast now. Yes. You're really starting to flesh out these other characters. It was at this point where, you know, I always, uh, I think a judge of a TV series is how long does it take you to learn the characters' names? Yeah. Um, and this was the this was the episode where I, I fully, Rachel's name wouldn't stick for some reason. But this was finally the episode where I, uh, Rachel's name stuck in mm. my head. Because um, the, the, and then uh, CW. yeah it's that's the thing sometimes when you do go through some of these series it's like i, I do love sometimes that shows uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't in real life uh you know constantly be saying that person's name like you know i'm not always constantly going uh bav mm. i don't call you that anyway but that's beside the point <laughs> i don't constantly say that i'm always like dude uh, that's me. That that's always been me. That uh, yeah, I've exactly. always been. Ah, dude. But I always love that shows do kind of get people to say their names constantly because it does help us yeah. lazy audience viewers to remember who you are. Um, uh, so the next episode in the series was a complete break from yeah, this from, from the, the normal shit out of me. I'll be yeah. honest. Absolutely baffled me. Yeah. So this one was uh, just starred. Uh, the two guest stars, which was Jake Johnson, who is probably most notable from uh, New Girl and uh, the Jurassic That's where World. I know his face from. I never watched New Girl, but... Yeah, he's done a, a few other things as well. He is, a, you know, I do find him a, a, as a funny guy. I, I turned off that show very quickly, but that's beside the point. Uh, and then Kristen uh, Milioti, who I've seen in a good few things. I know that she was in uh, the film with Andy Samberg that I did review, Palm Springs. Oh, yeah. Uh, earlier this year. Um, so, she, yeah, she's a wonderfully, yeah, she's she's a wonderful uh, actress and I really do love her. Um, I always remember her as, as the the wife in uh, How I Met Your Mother or Ted's person that he meets in the end. Um, and yeah, so that's where I originally saw it. But she, so these two start as Doc and Bean, which I uh, believe is actually uh, an in-game, uh, sorry, a, a throwback to a game. I can't remember the game, but it, apparently they're named after a game 
in in the gaming industry i can't remember which one it is i, I don't know them all the way uh, but so this whole episode is there them creating a game called the quiet uh, dark quiet death yes um dark quiet death which is just it begins as EQD. just <laughs> EQD, yeah um just so their initial interactions is them in a game store or uh, is it like a blockbusters i suppose would be yeah the idea. they're in a video game store and he's trying to get her to buy a game and she's i mean i i don't i'm sure there's someone out there for everyone but christ that chick i'd have bailed after about five minutes yeah pretty miserable she's just yeah. so miserable yeah. ridiculously morbid and yeah. horrible all mm-hmm. the time I just couldn't have coped with it, I don't mm. think. But, I, you know, fair enough. And I get that it, it works for what they do with it. But yeah, this couple meet and he's a games producer and she's got some ideas for a game and he's like, well, blah, blah, blah. He's basically trying to hit on her, mm-hmm. but using his, you know, game. Uh, his the fact that I helped produce this game, yeah, to kind of yeah. sell himself. Yeah, yeah. So they end up coming up with a game called Dark Quiet Death that is their reflection on life, as I remember it, in that you don't win. There is no way to win or to finish or to complete the game. You just have to survive as long as you can. You have no weapons, you have a torch, and there are monsters around, and you have to try and hide from the monsters and survive as long as you can. And it's an interesting idea. I don't think it'd ever take off, but, you know, it'd take off as an indie darling, but... yeah. I yeah, mean, I don't it's, think it had uh, quite achieved the success yeah. that they do go for in here. But again, it's to make a point. Yeah. Um, but yes, this game becomes incredibly successful and then they have to make the second one. And of course, we get into the uh, all the stuff of the studio because now they're a big company. Creative, so. creative versus studio. Exactly. And their stu- I like the name of their studio, though. Oublier Studios did make... I, I like that. That's a cool name for a studio. Um, but yeah, so obviously they've got the... The, the publishers said, oh, no, we want this, we want that, you've got to do this, you've got to put shotguns in it and, you know, weapons. P- people want to be able to fight the monsters. Um, and they end up making it lighter as well because there's a discussion of, well, we've lost the dark and we've lost the quiet, but they can never take the death. And then by the end of it, they are trying to take the death out of it as well because they want it to have an ending. Mm. Um and yeah, the, it's an interesting look at, at, at the development of a, a video game, it becoming successful, it moving on to sequels. But at the same time, uh, the relationship of a couple who start off on the same page, but then one of them, you know, from my point of view, the man is a realist. Like we saw in episode two, when Brad was gone, you without the money, you can't make the game. Mm-hmm. You have to have the money. Yeah. So you do have to make some concessions to the people who are giving you the money. And he understands that and, and is willing to make some exceptions, whereas she just blatantly will yeah. not accept any deviation in her vision yeah. of what she wants. There's creative control and then there's creative madness as as yeah. she's looking at it. It's I can't bend anything because no, this is my vision. It has to be this way, but your vision isn't going to sell. Your vision will never see the light of day unless you make some concessions, as you say. And because that is a good point. The same game wouldn't have sold. Yeah. You don't make the same game again, unless you call a duty, you, you change 
something for the sequel. You add more to it so that people get the same experience they had the first time, but with an added extra yeah. or with a, a slight twist on the, the idea. Um, but yeah, and then the it, it just sort of skips through about 20 years in their life, I guess. And mm. by the end of it, he's single, split up with her. She's married with a couple of kids to someone else. God knows how she managed to find another bloke who'd put up with her morbid bullshit, but... Well, she's, I think her whole, you know, especially her, her appearance as well, she's very, you know, she's very in all that kind True, of... She did grunge. look a little bit more soft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was it. Emo. So, you know, pol- polished herself up, got rid of the emo shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and But that was it. It was, it was nice that you did see that idea of a startup for a video game, because that was a, a time that a lot of games would have just kind of gone through those motions. And, uh, you know, it's a completely different kettle of fish now, uh, you know, than it was then. Yeah, yeah. But it's the connection that they do have with the series. It's not just a throwaway episode. You do see that idea of pitching uh, a video game to industry um, and seeing whether they'd like it or not. And the episode ends with iron doing that exact same thing and then visiting the offices that used to belong uh to doc and bean and then ends up moving into those offices so just having that connection there was obviously going to be one because you know why else would they put the episode there and not have it but it was just nice to have those little yeah exactly that's the thing i was like i don't know how this plays in and then yes at the end he sort of looks at the same pillar that they wrote their names on yeah or you see that same pillar so you're like, oh, okay, so their office is, is this company's office as well. And didn't they get the office in the first place because people had died there or something? And the girl really liked the fact that loads of people had died and it might be haunted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, 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 I and just... Every yeah, company yeah, that's been in there has failed. So <laughs> yeah. it's cursed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she totally was down with that. It was, yeah, she was like, get push this lady out. We We need to have sex right now, kind of a deal. Yeah, she she was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so yeah, so break that was breaking uh, a little bit from the series, but I kind of enjoyed that because again, it was nice to know that this series is not going to go by your traditional, uh, you know, yeah. episode run. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, yeah, yeah, it was interesting. And like I say, it told a it told a, a totally separate story that was, yeah, that that, that had some depth to it and and was. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that episode. Um, so the next one is uh, oh, so Pop, Poppy starts flirting with the idea of uh, yeah, she goes of, to Cold Lion different, Studios. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, it's just when she walks in, she's just like, "Hi, I'm Poppy." Fuck you! Uh, I, it's just because she's just been ground down so yeah. much by Iron and the shooter she's with, she's just turned into this really cold person that will just go up to somebody and just kind of shout "fuck you" in their face, and I just love it. Um, Looking around the office, she's like, "So you don't have an office that's slightly higher up than everyone else's <laughs> office as a as a display of you know your alpha nature and blah blah." No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, any scene with Poppy is great anyway. Just putting that out there. Um, so that's what, yeah. So she's kind of flirting with the idea of another company and, and seeing how other she's things being work. invited to be a creative director, isn't she? Yeah. And uh, she's just kind of like, what? Uh, she she loves 
MQ and she loves what she's doing, but the idea that she could have a little bit more control and be a bit more of a creative influence is, yeah, clearly something that her character be wants. A bit more appreciated, I think, as well. Yeah, she's yeah. Not feeling particularly appreciated at this point. No, yeah, very much not. Um, and... Because don't they? They have all the discussions early on about paintbrushes, don't they? Ian and Ian and Poppy, you're my paintbrush. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So he basically saying that uh, she's a tool that he uses. Yes, that's in, right. in another word. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, he doesn't she, mean it like that. But he doesn't mean it like that, but that's exactly it. how what he's it trying is. to say is, I may have the vision, I have. I have nowhere near the talent or the skill yeah. to be able to put it together like you do. Yeah. Which is a compliment. Yeah. But it, yeah, she massive always compliment, takes it as... But uh, it's like, yeah, you're a tool at my disposal. And that's how she, yeah, that's exactly. how she feels. Yeah. Um, so the other side of this is uh, Dana starting her job as a streamer. Yes. Um, and again, for the gaming industry, it is nice that they do look at the streamer side of things because they are, especially in this day and age, a huge part of games and getting games out there to viewers to see whether I would like to play it or not. Yeah. Um, especially for, you know, like I'm never going to watch a Fortnite or whatever tournament. That's just not my kettle of fish. But for those people who really enjoy those games and want to see who the best of the best is yeah there's plenty of streamers out there that will do that again we've discussed on our previous youtube uh related one check it out ladies and gents um we've discussed about streamers and uh, the differences that they each have mm. dana here is unfortunately not one of the ones that we would necessarily have watched as we discussed earlier because that you know they're individual uh content creators dana is there to do the game like she's she's there to sell the game and so it's difficult to uh watch it uh because the whole thing is at times that she doesn't want to be like okay i am the streamer of this game and be pigeonholed as that and that mm. she's actually employed by them and stuff so again it brings up that dynamic of if it is sponsored content should they be advertising that which you know we watch twitch streams or youtube and yeah they will announce yeah this is a sponsored well, they stream. have to now yeah exactly so it's touching on those different areas which is yeah again interesting to see although the as i saw last night sometimes a sponsored sponsored episode gets turned into a series oh okay yeah i believe i know the one that you're referring yeah. to uh, unfortunately i played the game and it was shat so i'm yeah so how are they managing to do it that's what occurred yeah. to me. anyway that's yeah. that's a that's, that's an a, off that's pod a, discussion that's an off pod discussion. we're talking about <laughs> need gaming again ladies and gentlemen so. yeah we're, we're gamers and uh we, we played a game it didn't work and yeah everybody else seems to be having no problems with that i don't know maybe it's a pc version mm. possibly yeah. uh but yeah so, anyway yeah uh so um <laughs> Other kind of changes within the office is that Rachel is no longer working with Dana, who, again, you see that uh, it, it's that office romance. Mm. Theirs is the office romance um, of, yeah. of this kind of thing. The fact that that's now strained because Dana's doing that, Rachel's still doing the testing. In comes this new guy who's Luke. just, he's just, yeah, just he very is, replaceable. He is what uh, people uh, yeah. have in their head as a video yeah. game. Yeah, um, no offense to the actor. I'm sure he did a, a, a fine job, but I'm very much glad that he didn't stick around very long. Um, no. Not to, to ruin anybody's happiness about this character, but yeah, he, he doesn't stick around very long, and I'm kind of glad about that. Uh, and the other thing is that the uh, that the game is actually being hacked, uh, so that they are actually having a bit of an issue with. Well, they get a hacked hacker. 
by the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that leads into the next one. Hang on, back up, son. There we go. I was expecting that. Two 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 subplots you missed. Um CW and the AI machine. No, oh, yeah. Which I have to mention because it's fucking hilarious. So Brad brings in a machine that he says can write he's gonna use to write the scripts for Mythic Quest so he won't need CW anymore. Yeah. And presents him with a page of, of work that uh, CW's like, oh my god, this is incredible. And he tells him that the machine's produced it. And oh, it's so funny because then at the end it turns out to be what, an air conditioning unit, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually the script he gave the piece of work he gave him was out of one of CW's old books or something. Mm. Oh, it's fucking funny. But um, he gets I just so like CW walking around in his malaise, you know, because he's he's got such a way with words. Yeah. The actor and the way he wraps his wraps his mouth around the way he enunciates them yeah the vernacular that he uses and brilliant. everything yeah 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 um and we also get the uh the tall british programmer oh paul yeah the iron spends the entire episode being threatened by this very tall man <laughs> yeah he, he's not he's not bothered by anything other than the fact that he's basically just really he's fucking really tall. tall um he is played uh just fyi by a guy called uh humphrey kerr who you probably would have seen in a previous episode of Always Sunny. Thank you. Um, I was going to say, I knew him from somewhere. I yep. was like, I know this guy, but can't uh, work from. He's also married, and uh, he's he's also married to one of the co-creators, Megan Gans, uh, but he also writes a number of the episodes uh, oh, for the series as well. So he's a very, very talented guy. Very, yeah. very talented guy. I like the, because uh, there's a great bit with Iron as well, where they're talking about his back, and he's like, oh yeah, I've got a bit of a dicky back. Like, All right, what happened? He's like, oh, it was an IED in... <laughs> second tour uh you know blew up and just got a piece of shrapnel right through my spine <laughs> and Iron's yeah. like, oh, fuck this is fuck. it he's just like he iron is so much the alpha male that a guy just comes in who's just bigger taller and more domineering in some senses than he would be he just feels entirely threatened and yeah. it's brilliant yeah, he seems to have brilliant. the genuine alpha behind him because he's an army man yeah, and, um, uh, and they and end I, up by the end of the episode, he puts yeah. him down with. I was going to say, he's like, "Fuck it, I'm the alpha of this company. Yeah. You're going to go down into the basement, son. Uh, yeah, no one's ever going to see you." Yeah, yeah. I think we see him like once or twice after that. Oh, but... we do, yeah, because we yeah. got the costume parties and stuff. Yeah, come later, but uh, yeah. So by um, the end of the episode, as you say, yeah. yes, they are hacked, and this is actually the point where I went, "Ah, oh, yeah, we are going to be a little bit serialized then." Yeah. Because yeah, the next episode begins with them trying to figure out what's what's the hack is doing. Yeah, and again, this is one of the the episodes are now showing the side which is always quite funny about uh, what you would necessarily expect of, of video game creators in some senses that the creators of these games would know the intricacies of the game very very well and they would know how to play the game. Iron is shit at the game, mm. to put it mildly. He really does not know how to play the game very well. So it's kind of Poppy preparing him and getting him ready to face the hacker in a in a showdown. He challenges him to uh, to a showdown in the game. He's you know, basically like, stop being a pussy, stop hiding behind the anonymity. Uh, the anonymity, face me in game. I'll kick your ass and I'll mask you. 
uh, and it's all bravado because he genuinely doesn't know how to do it. And that's kind of what the again you you look at studios that will invest in games and uh, you know put a shit ton of money behind it and things like that. And you just kind of go, have you any? If any of you actually played these games before, like do do, do you know what you're doing? Um, you know when you're creating these games and you're churning it out, have you played it? You've got testers playing it, but have you played it? Because the amount of games that come out and they're absolute fucking hogwash and need a million updates and you just kind of want to go guys maybe if you're gonna create the game you should play it as well but that's just you know from from an outsider looking at this i was wondering whether that was the case what do you think um yeah to a degree i uh in terms of the episode ugh, my first note is poppy accepts the job offer question mark question mark question mark she better not leave mm. um I also started to get pissed off by Joe at this stage. Yeah. Joe started pissing me off because it was it's the sequence where Iron and Poppy are doing the mocap, uh, which again leads to a, another brilliant Poppy line. No one's ever asked to cap my mo. Um, so uh, she just keeps shouting at Poppy whenever she says something that she doesn't like. And everyone's just telling her to shut the fuck up. And it's like, yeah, just shut the fuck up for a bit. Yeah, it's it was kind of getting to the point where I'd had enough of her at this stage. It, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, changed, it gets a bit much. She, yeah, she gets a bit much, I think, and then they start to tone her back down again. Um, but yeah, as you say, it builds for a, a battle between Iron and the Masked Man. Um, I love that uh, it, during the battle, Iron uh, takes his clothes off, doesn't he? His character strips, and his character mm-hmm. gets the nude optimism perk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That did make me chuckle. I quite liked that. Um, and yeah, by the end, it turns out Pooty Shoe was the hacker. Yeah. Which made me piss myself. And still, by the end of the episode, you're like, what's Poppy going to do? Yeah, that that's it. It's uh, That was the, the funny thing about this. You you suddenly are like, oh, fucking Pooty Shoe. Like I say, when I said at the beginning, like he, it was, say, the villain, so to speak, of the series or so we would be led to believe. And mm. this point, you're just thinking fucking little bastard like trying to you know screw the team over and but yeah the the one thing i was coming out is i don't want puppy to go she's she's amazing i love her yep. like no please just please, please don't go uh, but you know the, the, these guys don't make these series without knowing the characters that we're going to fall in love with very very well so the next episode is i am taking poppy to a meeting uh basically she doesn't know where she's going or what it's for and uh, he he asks her to just sit and wait in the car, yeah. Um, while he goes and deals with it, and she's she's you know kind of like okay, he's taking me somewhere important. He's leaving me out in the car, but he's doing something. And so it turns out that Pooty Shoe is actually Iron's son, um, who's been living with his mother. Who get this? Do you remember the episode of Always Sunny, uh, where Frank uh, wants to marry a whore? Yeah. This is the whore. Really? The mother of the child is the whore from that episode. Just wow. FYI. Wow, she looks totally different. She does. There's um, the difference between dressing as a whore and dressing as yeah. a rich widow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was just an FYI. Just, just yeah, you know, just, just to show you that even when I'm watching these episodes, I still pull this weird shit where I know who these people are. I just take it from, from you know, the fact that I'm like, hang on a minute. I've seen them in something. I'll have a quick look. Yeah, they'll have been in an episode of Always Sunny. It works. Um, so 
there is a serious estrangement between Iron and Pooty Shoe. The fact that Pooty Shoe loves to play Mythic Quest but has no relationship with Iron is very kind of telling thing about it. It's just like he'll play his game but has no relationship with his father kind of a deal. It's yeah. it's a weird, it's a very weird dynamic. Um, and then Poppy learns after the fact that Pooty Shoe is his son. And yeah, a can, bit, she learns from the mum, doesn't she? Yeah, she's a bit taken aback by it because, like, the mum's kind of warning her off, just saying, "Don't, don't get close to Iron; he will fuck you over." Yeah, um, giving basically telling her all the things that we've seen yeah. develop over the beginning of the series, all the behaviours that she's describing, the way he's treating Poppy, yeah. it all matches up with what we've seen over the previous episodes. Another reason why this one works so well. Yeah. Um. Because, like, I've got some notes where it's, it's like, right, Ian takes Poppy out for a drive. He seems to be being nice. Surely he'll revert to type by the end. And this is the always sunny part of the brain coming in, going, well, he's not going to stay as this emotionally vulnerable character because that isn't who he is. It'll revert back to type and will undermine any of the work we've done. But, of course, they don't actually do that. Um, but I did think they would because Poppy then rings cold alliance that she's accepted the job from and she rejects the offer so i was like right at that point then i know for a fact that iron is going to revert back to type because poppy's now made the leap she needs to and obviously it still doesn't happen actually he doesn't revert to type uh, but a big note saying fuck pooty shoe is his son yeah because i didn't see um that. like you say though but yeah she she declines the job but then obviously still has the discussion with the ex-wife and yeah. then rings and tries to take the job again. Yeah, and then it's basically a case of she's finally kind. Of, I think it's like they're in the car park and she's she's on the phone with him, just kind of saying, "Oh yeah, I'm just a glue," and just like being a bit funny. And they're just like, "No, no, you're not serious enough for us." Yeah. And, and and that's then, the thing. It's the the she has become so like Iron. Yeah. Her flip-flopping, artistic, creative, you know, sort of chaos has come to the forefront and and costs her the job in the end. Yep. And the fact that Ion is stood behind her when she finds out, even though she's just told him that she was going to leave, he's just kind of like, okay, Papa, I'll, I'll see you inside. Basically just like, yeah, you, you're not going anywhere. And it's just that 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 punch for her because she's just like, I'm not getting out of here and he's going to control me. That's how she's feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other part of this episode is something we uh, mentioned about one of the other uh, episodes was Dana doing the independent yeah. streamer thing. Finally gets found out that actually she, works she is an employee him. and uh, yeah, it's, it's tense, technically sponsored. So all every, all of her efforts in trying to, to be a streamer and have that separation between what she did and, and what she was doing now. And she was loving it and she was really getting into it and becoming herself and building her little community. They t- immediately turn on her, which again is that other thing of, again, it's that comment of, of that streamer community where as soon as you do one thing wrong, they will just turn into absolute animals against you. And it's not always they're not you know i get it that you know in this in this in this instance she was working for the company but just the hate spill that they show at her uh and it's that's that's the downside of that unfortunately mm-hmm. but it, you know i don't want to say it comes with the job 
but unfortunately for that kind of community now it bloody well does it's a horrible thing um so then we get to the season finale um which is blood ocean um mm. so uh the workers uh who have been putting all of the work into the new expansion all the programmers yeah. all the programmers uh want to be paid for overtime um and while the you know the the team there want to want to help them like david's like yep yeah, i'll i'll support support you and yeah i'll i'll make sure you get i'll make sure you get the money yeah he's fired and you're yeah. like what he shouts at montreal demands cuz in the previous episode he gets he, he does something good doesn't he or something and montreal really love him or he talks to montreal with some balls mm-hmm. and it works so he yeah. decides to do it again yeah and, and it completely yeah. That's, That's brilliant, though, because he's in the office and you can see the gesticulating and him shouting at the phone and blah, blah, blah. And he looks really serious. And then he just walks out the door. And just his face collapses. He's like, I got fired. Yeah. It's just David Hornsby is just brilliant at doing the one turn to the other. He's, yeah. he's very, yeah. Um, and that's it. It's just, so again, just adding a touch of the realism to that industry where we've, you know, I, I, if you've heard enough reports about how, the workers of certain games like, you know, GTA and various other ones where the workers have been, you know, yeah, having to work like Red. 80 hours a week, no overtime. And oh. it's like, you know, you, you lose your job if shit's not been done on time and the working conditions are horrible. And now you hear all the stuff that's going on at Blizzard and this, that, and the other. And it's like, my God, like, these are the guys that build the games that you make your millions of microtransaction dollars on. Pay them. Like give them their worth, and obviously Poppy and I are arguing um, about everything that's been going on. Poppy's obviously accusing Iron of, you know, just basically using her for so long, and she just doesn't feel appreciated. And understandably so, because he is a bit of a difficult character to deal with. But as is she, and that's where we begin to see that, you know, what they're actually a good pairing. Yeah. In no way romantically. And that's one of the things that I love about this yep. series. I'm and really knew... pleased they never went down that romantic route. I was really no. worried they would. Yeah. There's a part in the second season where I went, yeah. oh man, we're yeah. opening this door. But it becomes and a whole, whole of this no, joke. They, yeah, exactly. It becomes yeah. more of a joke than anything else. Um, so the fact that, yeah, and Iron, I think, finally appreciates the fact that Poppy is standing up for herself a little bit more and giving him some of those truths. So yeah, he then goes... Fuck it. So he calls Montreal. He he gets David rehired. He gets the overtime uh, paid for for all of the workers because you know he appreciates that. And again, it's one of those things of yeah, this is an idealistic view um, of a creative person in that industry, making sure that all the workers get paid. Don't know whether that's true or not, <laughs> you know. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then allowing Poppy to become a co-creative director with him. Um, and just that kind of bit at the end where, you know, they're, they're stood side by side, you know, and it works because, yeah, you just kind of think maybe things will actually go well when, you know, the game will, you know, go in the right direction. Oh, oh we will see. And yeah, so Blood Ocean was where we were going. That was presumably going to be this next expansion for us to take into season two, I would have thought. Yes, it's... But then something came along. Yeah. Which... That seemed to throw things out the window a little bit. So just FYI as well, the whole idea for Blood Ocean uh, was that it was going to create a Busy. pandemic yeah. 
inside the game, um, and then then the world went to shit. Yeah, because that episode was shown February seventh, twenty twenty. Yeah, which was like a month before we should locked down. Yeah, a month. Yeah, it was about a month before we issued lockdown, which obviously had been filmed, God knows how many months prior. Yeah, exactly. To actually, the you know, um, so then yeah, so as a result of the pandemic, we then got a couple of specials which were never intended. Um, the first of which is, I think, still one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, um, which was the quarantine episode, which I've spoken about previously before. Um, so this is the entirety of the office now having to work from home because the pandemic's hit and yep, no, there's no office anymore. Everybody's working from home remotely. So this is all just zoom meetings or virtual meetings or whichever yeah. particular meeting software you're using. We're using Microsoft teams. Find it shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is shit. Um, <laughs> so just on the side, tell us in the comments, what's your favorite virtual meeting tool? <laughs> what's your favorite chat <laughs> meeting you been using? these days? Um, I hate teams cause I have to administer it. It's a fucking nightmare um, to administer. Yeah. Hate um, it. so the, the quarantine episode just goes around each of the various characters and we're, we're, we're seeing them working from their home environment. Evidently, all of them are actually filming from home. So you, it is the funny thing you see, like uh, Rob's place, and it's this huge, great mansion. And at one point, I'm pretty sure he's like sat in his very expensive, lush-looking pool. And then you get some of the That's other cast right at the who because these... the opening of this episode is fucking brilliant. Because David rings Iron. Yeah, he's supposed to be having a meeting with Iron and Poppy. So he rings Iron, and like you say, Iron's in his pool in the back garden, uh, clothed, but he's in yeah. the pool in his backyard backyard and he's like oh where's poppy oh it's power play i'm, I'm just gonna call her now no 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 i don't wait for her she waits for me it's power so play. He hangs up <laughs> and then he goes oh, for fuck's sake so then he rings poppy and poppy's eating like a bowl of cereal or something yeah. and he's like oh my god poppy when did you last shower yeah she's like where's ian where's no i'm not waiting for i'm gonna go and i'm gonna go and wash my hair then while i'm waiting for oh fucking hell yeah, and then by the time he gets Ian back on the phone again, Ian's topless. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, in that previous episode, we forgot to cover why he calls himself Iron. Yes, though. Sorry, yes, we Ian did. is his dad's name. Yes, and mm. essentially his dad was a massive dick, so he decided yeah. to call himself Iron instead. But again, that is a, a development of that character of vulnerability that you never ever would have seen in Always Sunny. No, or he'd have told that story and then gone, <laughs> "No, it's bollocks." But there you go. I, I love it that they they let these bits play out in this show. Um. So yeah, we, we, so like I say, you, you suddenly see the the various different environments that some of these people are living in in real life as well, um, which is again just hilarious because they're so uh, passionate about making this show. You know, having watched a discussion that they had about it, that they were so passionate about it and they wanted to comment on it that they got everybody's kind of input and obviously yeah uh f murray abraham is not going to be your, your biggest tech head he's not necessarily going to know how to do it let's incorporate that as part of a joke within the scope of it and yeah unsurprisingly cw really can't use a laptop for shit um <laughs> but having that meeting and having the different conversations that each person has with different people the one thing that undertones it all is poppy 
for yeah. me. Um, yeah, she. Oh. And yeah. so her, her, you know, like you say, to begin with, she, she's just like, oh, a meeting with I and whatever, and yeah, yeah, everything's fine, and they're just and checking she's with spending him, time ripping and... blood ocean out. Yeah, of she's game. all she's doing all the time is just coding. She's yeah. coding, 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 and just fixing stuff. And they're like, okay, it's it, it's done. Okay, great. And then she just kind of looks around. She realizes she's got nothing. She doesn't know what to do with herself. She's now trapped in the confines of her apartment. She doesn't know what to do. And that's when the world starts to fall apart for her. And I can imagine a lot of people began feeling the same at that point as well. Um, Yeah, she starts to unravel slowly and in her own mind. And that is a horrible thing that I think all of us experienced in some way or at some point during the, the height of the pandemic. Yep, uh, you see her isolate. She doesn't want to be seen on the camera. Uh, you know that that's it. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. And yeah, I said before that's exactly how I was. You know, living on your own uh, it was not an easy thing. I don't imagine it was for anybody living with people either. Um, but when you suddenly have Iron Caller and you see that he's walking out and about, and you're like, "Where is he?" and he just not, he just like answer your yeah, door, and he's at a door. Perfect. Uh, and just gives her a hug because that's what she needs. And, as, and it, 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 it's, it's the whole yeah. thing is so beautifully done because, as you say, it's told through the Zoom meetings. Yeah. So we're just watching Poppy's face on her screen and watching Iron as he's walking along. And then it's in the background of Poppy's shot where the door opens and you see him there. And then they just hug and there's no sound, no words, no nothing. Yeah. I think he's there's like just, there's just there to comfort her. And I, I just think it was beautifully done and again the temptation would be with a comedy show to slap a joke in there at the end which would undermine that yeah and they don't they resist and they go no we're gonna sit and we're gonna let this breathe that was it it wasn't a case of oh okay we're just gonna show him uh giving her a hug and then we're gonna end that no they actually shot the whole the the hug you know just kind of giving it a moment let it digest then he leaves and then she comes back inside and um Again, I've you know watched the thing where they discussed how they did it because obviously you know Rob was not going to go and see uh, Charlotte Nicardo. He, he was he couldn't because uh, you know lockdown was under underway. So her her uh, fella was obviously filling that part in and just like you say how they managed to shoot it in the way that they did. Oh, uh, really? they, yeah. So he but Rob that was, was like right. that was Poppy's real life boyfriend. Sorry, real Charlotte life, Nicardo's yeah, real, real life boyfriend. Yeah, she, real ah! life boyfriend. Yeah. I didn't see that. So again, just because I was, it was one of those episodes where I watched and I was curious how they made the actual episode because it was interesting, especially at the time to see, you know, Zoom meeting is an easy thing, uh, you know, to, to, to be able to record, but to do that aspect of it where everybody was in lockdown, I was curious. And so, yeah, so that's, that's how that is. And yeah, you really felt the emotional connection between them. And again, this is what we said a minute ago. There is no romantic connection between the two there is mutual love and respect yeah but it's not in that romantic sense and this was very much him knowing that she was not in a good place and that he needed to go and see her and i thankfully had friends that did the same for me so it was nice to see that reality uh and then as you say it wasn't gonna go to a jokey area but it does end on the happy note that yeah she's seen iron that he's actually helped bring her back to normality a bit and the next time you see her she has had a shower she looks incredible again um and you know they're then just doing this little funny thing where they're doing shit between the video uh, between the 
Zoom. Rube Goldberg machine, yeah. as the Americans call it. We'd maybe call it something like a bit Heath Robinson, but mm. yeah, it's a Rube Goldberg machine in America. But yeah, that, I, I think that entire episode, just my note by the end was fan-fucking-tastic. What yeah. an episode of TV. Yeah, I um, think it's genuinely one of the most intelligent, uh, funny, heartwarming, tragic, yeah. yet uplifting things yeah. I've seen on television. Yeah. And considering it was made under such constraints, I, I just, I, I think that is, out of everything I've seen of Mythic Quest, that is the one that you would put up for an Emmy, I think. You know, that that's mm. your award contender, yeah. as I and, see it, uh, because everything is exceptional. The, the, the writing's exceptional. The performances are amazing. The way it's shot, the way it's edited, yeah. just everything is fantastic. And then you consider that the whole thing was put together without any of them being in the same room together. Mm-hmm. And uh, you also got David Hornsby deciding to shave more of his face. Um, yeah. Know, just it does he have a, it, isn't it a street fighter tournament with yeah, Brad? With, with Brad, yeah. Which uh, which he loses. And uh, he was hoping that Brad would give the money to charity. And by the end of it, I and Brad are like, no, no, we gave the money to charity. We're not arseholes. Yeah. <laughs> just, I did that yeah. straight away. I just... <laughs> I did that straight away. Like, of course I would. Why wouldn't I? It's charity. Yeah. Um, and that's it again. It shows like, yeah, Brad is a money guy, but he's also not a complete asshole. Um, so yeah, it's it, fantastic, truly fantastic episode. Do you want to carry on? Because I have noted we're like an hour and a half so in. We've still we've got the last. We'll do episode eleven. Or do you want to use that as because it's a technically the return to work to go in? I suppose so. It considers itself two. the end previous season, it, it? but yeah we yeah, are hitting towards two hours so yeah so that's what i was thinking like okay let's do some summation then so so yeah i'll let you i okay. think season one is a cracking first run um as i said by the end i know all the characters i like them all i had a note in the quarantine episode that was like i don't hate joe so much now because mm-hmm. they'd started to tone her down and again she gets stuck I believe in the quarantine episode, she gets stuck with CW trying to get his thing to work. Yes. When he can't get the camera right or whatever. Oh, it's, that was brilliant. Yeah, I think it's like he gets the sound on, but not the camera. And then he gets yeah. the camera on, but not the sound. Yeah. Um, Poppy Lee is just incredible. I mm-hmm. absolutely love that character. Admittedly, halfway through, I did hope she'd leave. Because I thought that was what her character should do. But then you realise that actually, no, that's that's it's who she thinks she is in her head mm-hmm. is someone who would work at Cold Alliance Studios. But actually, in the cold light of day, she's an M- she's she, she's she an MQ. M- yeah, yeah. She is that chaotic, creative, artistic personality who needs to be able to bounce off similarly minded people. Um, I made note that you know uh, the. Ashley Birch wrote some of the episodes and I thought that was pretty cool and impressive. Um, I thought they were good episodes too. Um, and yeah, to, so yeah, to start, I thought it'd be like sunny or, you know, most of South Park, just throwaway episodes. But I was very happy when they decided to serialize it and make them flow into one another. And again, that, that carries on into season two to a degree as well. Yeah, it is one of those things where you look at, a series like this from these creators are they going to carry on some of the arcs with these characters are they going to continue that on or are we just going to go into the new season they're very much the same character and you know going through those experiences and obviously we'll look at season two next time um and and see how that 
goes. But I think it's happy to say that there is continual change for them. Um, That some of the sideline characters do have a little bit more prominence in the next series. The one that I would probably say most is CW because, again, as just a lover of F. Murray Abraham's work of the past, if you haven't seen Amadeus, please, please, please do go and watch it. What a truly amazing film and what a truly amazing performance. I mean, the guy won an Oscar for Christ's sake, just you know, to tell you that. Um, but loving his work and everything, he steals the scenes every time he's in them. I wanted more from his character. I wanted to know more about him, where he came from, how he got here. And suffice it to say, season two will happily cover that. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to all future seasons of uh, of the show because just last week it got announced that Apple TV has now picked it up for two more seasons. So there you go. So is that three and four? Three and four, yep. Uh, It's been picked up for, which is just... Mm. Well, that will be an interesting discussion to have at the end of season two. There you go. So again, knowing (laughs) that that's coming, I'm curious to see where, again, we get more backstories and more interesting stories about some of the characters because you didn't necessarily expect the Doc and Beans episode in this one. Uh, You know, the, uh, the backstory one in the next season about CW. Um, Didn't expect that either. So that's the one thing I'm happy with this show. It continues to surprise me. And P.S. Charlotte Nicardo, Poppy Lee is the best thing in the world. I love her. She's amazing. Um, Yeah. She needs to be in more stuff. Yes, 100%. But at the same time, I wanted to still do Mythic Quest. Yeah, Yeah, she needs to still do this. (laughs) Cool. All right, then. Well, all right, we'll leave it, guys. We were going to try and fit both in but actually we've got far too much to say on it so we'll split it up for you don't want this to turn into a four-hour leviathan but we are back to our sort of around two-hour time limits so uh yeah we'll leave it at that again you want to join the conversation go to facebook.com forward slash screen masters or twitter.com forward slash the sm underscore pod uh oh actually or you can just email the screen masters at gmail.com i always forget that one so for now We shall leave it as it is, and I shall say I have been Bav. I have been Fluff. And this was Screen Masters.